freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's WGC Dell Technologies match play. Maybe my favorite event of the entire year. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, good to see you. Good to see you too, Rick. And to the favorite event of the year, I, I think this one goes in waves for me. This time, breaking it all down and trying to figure out, picking your bracket, trying to see who's going to do what is it's madness. And it, it so it works great. The first three days of this tournament are amazing to me. So I would say at least at, at the very least, it's the best weekday golf that we get in uh, in non-majors. Yeah, there's a lot of fantasy strategy, too, outside of the fact that we're just going to see the best golfers in the world battle it out, which is exactly what's going to happen at Austin Country Club. Sia Najad is here. Sia, this is uh, it's different. It's fun. It's quirky. And the fact that we get uh, super sharp to like just piggyback off of that other March Madness thing that we have going on. Everyone's already in bracket mode. That's true. The timing couldn't be better. And and if I may correct Greg, it, it is madness, but is it not more matchness? Sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, but the, the, I, the thing is, oh, I sorry. expect I, nothing I, less from you. I'm going to workshop stuff this entire show, just so you guys <laughs> know. Um, no, I think it's really cool. Like that, the, the timing really is cool. I think it might potentially bring some people in uh, that might otherwise not really be you know, paying attention just, just by virtue of the bracket. Now, as far as the brackets are concerned, I wish they were sort of more properly proliferated so that we could like, you know, print one out. And, you know, I don't know that Rick, maybe, you know, where to, where to do that, but it's, it's hard to find that. Uh, well, speaking of which perfect segue, if you go over to PGA tour.com, the fantasy section, there is a bracket challenge. I'm, a, I imagine you can print those out. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Once you fill them out, you can. Oh, once you fill oh, it out. Okay. You can. That's the dirty little secret there. And if you want to fill one out, producer Jacob and I have, we've collabed on this. I've got the Rick Run Good Bracket Challenge. It was the, the single largest private league on PGA Tour.com last year. We're collabing. We're blowing it up. Producer Jacob is giving the winner of the Rick Run Good Bracket Challenge a $100 gift card to Paramount+. Plus. I'm supplementing subscriptions to my website, rickrungood.com, with swag bags, swag boxes. I'll mail you stuff. So uh, Jacob's going to put the link in the description. The code that you're looking for, the password to get in, is TIGER. T-I-G-E-R, all lowercase. Greg, I figured that was easy enough for people to be able to spell. I, I would think so. I would hope you could spell it. It's not the emoji. It's the actual spelling. Um, and and I love that. It's a con uh, Can I get in? Yeah, of course. Am I eligible to win the swag box? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I'll send, I'll right. send, I already send. have the membership, so <laughs> it, you should be rooting for me. It'll save you. It'll save you a membership. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. So see, we're, we're going to blow this thing up. Producer Jacob, great idea to uh, put our minds together on this one and we'll see. Uh, who wins it? I mean, we, as as you have probably filled out ninety brackets by by this point on a Monday, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this because uh, it's quite it's quite volatile. There is a lot of madness here. Yeah, I think the one thing you have to think of from a, just a pure DraftKings standpoint is making sure you have a lineup that's built properly. I mean, I think that's something that most people that are listening to this show probably have a really good idea of what I mean there. But yeah, so you want to you want to make sure you have that box checked. But then, of course, 
you want to pick, you know, the right players as well. And to your point, Rick, there's it's not like you're going to have all the top seeds advancing. I mean, you know, I, I guess back in the day when we talk about March Madness, back in the day, you really did have like the Dukes of the Worlds and the Kentuckys and the Kansas, just kind of like, you know, get into the Sweet 16 at the very least, the grade eight. These days, that isn't a thing anymore, really, for a variety of different explainable reasons. But here, man, it, it's really never been the case. I mean, you get guys like Antoine Rosner that are taken out Bryson DeChambeau last last year, and and that's not even like that random of an event. So uh, you can really kind of take who you want to take here. One, and I think, sorry, oh, I was just going to say, I think there are a couple reasons why you get this kind of volatility, and it, just by nature, one, the sixty fourth best player, best professional golfer in the world, is a lot more capable of competing with the number one golfer in the world than, uh, than, you know, the 64th ranked college basketball team. But also the part of that reason is it's only 18 holes. So it's a quarter, you know, it's like a quarter of a basketball game and measuring these things. I mean, see you with, with your first round lead, uh, hot streak, you should have a great tournament this week because you're talking about one round of golf. It's so hard to predict because everybody's capable. Everybody in this field is capable of shooting, 62 and and there are there's nobody that's going to beat that if if you're the guy that shoots 62 i don't care what your rank is and then you also have the element of well everybody's also capable of shooting 72 and 72 is going to lose in most matches out here so both you kind of have volatility on both ends of the spectrum and even though it's seven rounds to win the thing it's really 18 hole in it's broken up into 18 hole individual matches which is a really small sample size there was only one golfer, one top seed from last year who advanced out of their group. His name, John Rahm. The three years prior to that, five of the top seeds in each of 19, 18, and 2017 advanced out. And in 2016, which is the first year that we had this format at Austin Country Club, eight of the top seeds made it out. But you're still only talking about half of those. I do also have one other announcement. Again, it's a weird week. Wednesday. We start on Wednesday. We'll talk about the format in just a second. But that means you have to get your one and done selections in you, the fans, right now. The link is in the description. The fan vote is open. There is a ton of money on the line, which Sia Najad, 1.8 up top, 12 million in the purse. That should have you shaking in your boots as the fans eye you down. Yeah, they eye me down. They eye Kyle Porter a little bit closer in the mirror there. But I'll tell you what, I'm I'm actually, this is really fun. And I'm so glad, um, is, is it Elijah who got the sort Elijah of Elijah is that dude. He is that dude. And and the reality is it makes it that much more fun. I mean, I, I like the fact that the fans can chase me down this early in the process. But I also like the fact that I had Shane Lowry, who didn't have like an amazing tournament. But for everybody else who pretty much had Victor Hovland, with the exception of um, one or two other picks, I'm feeling pretty good about myself going into match play. And and again, the volatility of match play, it almost lends itself to maybe taking a guy who's not really a high seed. Or does it? I don't know. I've got a guy in mind that I'll probably be taking this week, but let's talk about the course. Let's talk about the format. So I guess we'll start with the format here, Greg. They changed this a couple of years ago. They've tweaked this over the years, but here's where we're at right now. 
Uh, if you are in the top 64 of the OWGR, you are invited to this event. Not everyone shows up. So we don't have Rory McIlroy and Camp Smith and Hideki Matsuyama and Harris English. So we've extended the list a little bit. And then each of the 16 top seeds, they all get their own group. And then this morning here on Monday, or I guess afternoon for you East Coasters, uh, we drew the rest of the groups, uh, group. So it's just basically a random draw, Greg, and it creates a situation where you have 16 four golfer pods and those pods will each play each other Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And whoever has the best record after those three matches will move on to the single elimination format. A point for a win, half a point for a tie. And uh, you know what happens when you lose. So there's um, a, a lot to play for. And it's quite interesting. You get into some situations where on Friday, both matches matter and some situations where, I mean, I love when you get a, a group where any any of the four players can advance. It happens sometimes. Uh, there are other other Fridays where it's not quite as interesting, and that's the nature of the beast here. But the round-robin format keeps everybody there for at least three days. I think it is a big help in drawing the field, um, and, it, and it creates – you know, a lot of a lot of math problems, um, a lot of Alan from the hangover memes with the <laughs> with the numbers spewing. You know, you're, you're coming up with all these situations and it, it's great. So I, I love the format. I think they did a great job with it. And um, and again, I think it creates the best three days, the best initial three days of uh, our weekday tournament golf that we get here. Austin Country Club, a Pete Dye design, a hair over 7,100 yards for par 71. That's not too long, Sia. And I really like this as a match play course because there is a lot of risk-reward opportunities. That's what you want. You want guys being able to get out to big leads and then maybe someone can chop into it. You want action, and this course is certainly going to lend itself to that. For sure. And and just to just to sort of belabor the point you just made, you can really like you can really go for it and not be penalized. Like in a stroke play event, obviously, if you go for it, you find water or you you get you go out of bounds. You know that's two or three strokes you're really falling. Well, here you're just losing that one hole. You know in your head to head matchup. So it really incentivizes those people who want to go for it to go for it. Now, is that really the appropriate route to take? I'm not 100% sure. I mean, when we think of go for it, we we typically think of the longer hitters. This is not a course that necessarily caters to the longer hitters. So we've seen just with recent history, well, all the history here since, I guess, 2016, since they've played it here, you know, the, the shorter hitters are very much in play here. So that's a part of the reason I think it's anybody's game. That's a part of the reason some of the lower seeds will be advancing out of the initial groups. I can't wait anymore. I have to unveil the bracket to you. And we're going to talk through every single group. That's right. I said every single group. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. 
That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we're back. Look at it in all its glory. If you're watching on YouTube, you see the bracket. You see every single group, the seating, their draft king's price, their odds to get out of the group. Oh, my God. Here it is. And this is where the fun begins, gentlemen, because we've got to not only create lineups, we've got to create lineups that don't run into one another. See, I'm going to kick this right back to you because you alluded to this a little bit earlier. You said something like, we want to make sure we're building lineups optimally. And what exactly did you mean by that? So if we're looking at this screen, you guys really should be watching on YouTube. You might even want to press print screen and maybe try to print this out. Maybe it'll it'll format uh, properly when you print it out. So really what I'm looking at here is, is obviously, and, and I, again, this is a notion that I think most people are familiar with, but if you're looking at group one, for example, you don't want two guys from the same group. Pretty obvious, right? But if we filter it down to, let's say, the elite eight, you want to make sure your team of six can get to the elite eight. So you want to arrange the, the, the guys that you pick so that they can advance and, and all make it to the elite eight without you having any conflicting picks that might knock each other out, let's say in the sweet 16. So obviously you want to have four guys that can potentially optimally make it to the final four, but even more important or just as important is having six guys that can reach the elite eight. So you want to construct your bracket so that those six guys are there in that, I guess, Elite Eight round, which I'm not sure what we call that round after the second round, I suppose. Yeah, we call it the Elite Eight. That is, uh, it's all about opportunity, Greg. You can't pick two golfers in your lineup from the same group because only one's getting out. You don't even want to pick golfers uh, from adjacent groups. So in this case, we're looking at, you know, group number one and group 16 here. You wouldn't want to pick two golfers from those groups because if they do make it to the Sweet 16, they're immediately going to run into each other. And if you haven't checked the DraftKings uh, scoring, it's not birdies made. It's not bogeys that lose you points. It's all about the holes that you win and the holes that you lose. So, Greg, getting an opportunity, just an opportunity to have six clear paths to the Elite Eight before your golfers run into one another is seemingly simple, but I will tell you that 39% of people screwed it up last year. Yeah, uh, I would say it's paramount. Excuse the pun. Now, nice. the other here's the here's the thing, my strategy in doing this. You want to go through the groups and before you start making your lineup, you circle groups that you don't like. There are a lot of groups here where you have no clue who's going to come out of there. Groups that feel like it's really hard. Like last year there was the what the group of death with Louis Oosthuizen and Kevin Kisner and I uh, I think Justin Thomas was in that group. It was a brutal group. And you have no clue who's going to come out of there. Well, my advice is don't don't pick a player from that group. Stay away from stay away from that group and, and go to go to guys where you feel like you're really comfortable with who's going to come out of the group. So if you think John Rahm's going to win, that's great. Don't you're, you're not going to play anybody in in group 16. Um, and, and you may I, I guess you could play somebody in. You could play DeChambeau or, or, you know, Richard Bland or somebody like that if, if you like. Maybe Matthew Wolf, because that gives you a path. That gives you a path to the Elite Eight. Um, but you, you want to circle the groups where you think there's somebody you're really comfortable with. X out the groups that you think are 
what I'd call no bet groups. I just have no idea. And, and any, this could go any way. One of those, to me, the Scotty Scheffler group is, it's one of the most difficult groups. Scheffler is playing great. He's won twice recently. He is extremely, this is group five. He's been extremely good. And he is a lot of people, a lot of people think he's the favorite to win. Second highest price player on DraftKings. Matt Fitzpatrick's been playing great golf. Tommy Fleetwood has been playing better golf and Ian Poulter is a match play buzzsaw. I would stay away from that group. I would stay away from that group and kind of start to build around that. And then I, I think this will, um, it will start to come together for you when you put a couple of red X's on your printout. Yeah. We'll talk about that group five group of death in more in depth in just one second, but let's, let's do it. Group number one, John Rahm, $11,300. Patrick Reed, 7,500. Cam Young is 7,000. And Sebastian Munoz, $6,300. Sia Najad. It's easy to say John Rahm is going to move on and punch his ticket to the sweet 16. But how do you envision group one playing out? Yeah, I think this is one where you where you want to take Greg's advice really in you want to have it in mind because you really want to ask yourself in because this group is really confusing for me. And, and I think you want to ask yourself, well, am I going to have a guy moving out of group one here or group 16? Because if it's group 16, obviously this pick might not be as important as other people who might have, let's say, John Rahm advancing to the elite eight. So that's something certainly to keep in mind. Here, honestly, I don't think I'm going to take John Rahm. I think he's a fine pick. I just think if I'm going to get different, I may get different here. Believe it or not, I'm not completely against taking Patrick Reed here. I think in a, in a matchup scenario uh, and, and really on this course where you, you have to be crafty and, and kind of a technician here and there, I think all these guys are in play. Cameron Young certainly is in play. I think he could potentially go far. It's probably going to be between Cameron Young and Patrick Reed for me. It's just a matter of how contrarian do I want to get because Reed will be the most contrarian play in this group, in my opinion. Patrick Reed, eight, seven, and two in his five trips to this event since the since 2016. That's when they moved it to Austin Country Club. So if you hear me give a match play record, that is the time frame that I'm looking at. Obviously, Greg, Patrick Reed has a lot more match play experience than just the WGC Dell Technologies match play. And I'm with Sia. Uh, to me, it's, it's well, no, I guess I'm not with Sia. It's John Rahm or Cam Young for me, depending on how different I want to be. Those are the two guys for me too. I, I I respect the Patrick Reed play. It's definitely contrarian. He gained nine strokes putting at the Players Championship, but the problem is that it led to a tied twenty six. And I'm just I'm still worried about what's going on with his golf swing. I don't think it's under control, and so he's going to need help to win. And with a guy like John Rahm in your group, who is having no trouble at all with the golf swing, a guy like Cam Young, who's having no trouble at all with the golf swing. I think you're right, Rick. I think it's between those two guys. And I, I feel very confident in John Rahm. I'm a little worried about the putting, um, but I, I think he's going to figure out a way to win. I mean, last year he almost found a way to, I think it was Ryan Palmer who almost knocked him out and he just, he just outwilled him. And I think that happens again here. That's group one. Let's slide over to the other side of the bracket and look at group number two. That's the upper right-hand quadrant. It's Colin Morikawa, $10,500 on DraftKings. Jason Kokrak, $7,400. Sergio Garcia at $8,300. And Robert McIntyre at $7,300. Greg, I'm going to go right back to you here. Colin Morikawa is the headliner. He's the top seed in this group. He has yet in his career to earn a point at the match play. 
I make that sound a lot worse. He was 0-3 last year en route to his uh, dead last finish. Yes, and I think he's got a really tough group. I mean, you look at Sergio Garcia. We remember what he did at the Ryder Cup, albeit John Rahm was his partner. But you think about his record here, and it's phenomenal. He's a stalwart here. And then the other really interesting thing about, about Sergio Garcia, he's been really hot off the tee, which is a not uncommon. He's been really hot since about 1999. Um, but he's also he's gained strokes in his last three events on the greens. I'll say it again. He's gained strokes in his last three events on the greens, Sergio Garcia. So I'm, I'm quite confident in Sergio Garcia. I feel a little bit shaky about Colin Morikawa, but then you have Jason Kokrak, who's a, who's a great putter. And you have a, a Robert McIntyre who got out of his group last year. So, I mean, this is one of those groups that I probably am staying away from, from a DraftKings perspective. It's difficult to back Colin Morikawa, in my opinion, Sia, because he's expensive. He, you know, struggles with the putter at times. And there's a phrase in match play, first in wins. You know, if you are the first in the cup, generally with your putter, it puts a lot of pressure on your opponents. And if you're not a great putter, it's it's hard to kind of do that in match play. I look at Jason Kokrak, because I imagine people are going to do this. They're going to spend up and get Colin Morikawa, Sia, or they're going to go to the match play master, Austin uh, resident, Sergio Garcia. I like Jason Kokrak. One of the best putters on the planet. He drives it far. Uh, yeah, he, we know he likes money. 1.8 million bucks up top for him. I don't hate the Coke Rack play. Uh, you know, I agree with you. Most people will probably be on Sergio here. It makes a ton of sense. I don't think Colin Morikawa is going to be that popular, though, only because I think there's other players that are priced in that $10,000 range that people are going to defer to, like your Justin Thomases of the world. And I just don't think people are, are going to want, after what they've seen lately, going to want to lay their money down, their DraftKings money down on Colin Morikawa. I do want to point out, though, you know, he, he didn't have the best tournament, you know, just this last week, but all he, he lost all of it around around the green and with the putter and and again i know the putter can get hot and cold and we we, we play that variance game with him but I, I feel like we need to point out he was really good in the ball striking department so if he can find that putter i don't think he'll have that difficult of a time around the green i, I tend to think colin morikawa might be a little bit more of a game theory play in this group let's scroll down to the bottom right hand quadrant that's group three and boy are there some ball strikers in this one victor hovland ten thousand three hundred dollars a seventeen hundred dollar gap to will zalatoris he's eighty six hundred cameron tringale is sixty five hundred and sia that man sep straka makes an appearance in group three he's seven thousand dollars flat how would you like to attack group three this one's tough. I mean, I you know, again, Victor Hovland's another one of those guys that people might want to pay up for instead of, let's say, for example, a Colin Morikawa. So I think Will Zalatoris is going to be really popular. I mean, he's such a good ball striker. You're really going to have to lean on the putter with him, though. And just like, you know, it's it's even worth, worse with Zalatoris than it is with, with Colin. So I don't know if I want to lean on that in match play. So I, I think for me, you know, it, it's probably Zalatoris or Hovland, but I'm not super excited about it. And I may, I may have somebody in, in group 14, which we haven't touched on yet coming out of, out of that bracket. So I, I think it's not going to be as big of a deal for this one, but for me, it's probably going to be Will Zalatoris. And I hope I get lucky with the putter. Yeah, I was a little uh, upset, Greg, to see that Zalatoris and Victor were in the same group here. Two guys that I really like. Only one man can survive group four, group three. 
And one of the guys in this group is Sepp Straka, who has a win and a tied ninth in his last three starts. He's gained strokes on the green significantly, at least two strokes in his last four events. And I, I feel he's he's hot right now. And so that's con- that's concerning to me. You have a guy who's at 7,000 flat. He's the 63rd player in this field, making his first start here. Uh, and and you got to play him if you're a Will Zalatoris. It, it, he seems like a, an annoying guy to play against right now because of what he has going on with the putter. Uh, so, again, this is one of those groups where it's it's scary. And I don't like trusting a Hovland and a Zalatoris here because there's there's doubts with, I guess that's not really fair for Hovland. I, I think Hovland's probably the play. Hovland, he's been putting great. But if it's not Hovland, I think it's Sepp Straka for me. Just, I mean, look at what Hovland's done on the on the greens. He's he's gained in four of his last five. These finishes are are phenomenal. He's hitting it great. I would say most people lump in. They say Victor has a bad short game. Uh, yeah, he might be a little loose around the greens, Greg. He's great with the putter. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's had his bad streaks. He's not a he's not Jordan Spieth, but he's he's phenomenal. I mean, how many times has he had a streak of six or more events gaining strokes on the greens? Mm. It's yeah. great. Good so, stuff. I, I mean, I, I think I think he's probably the play, but Straka just, he, scared, he worries me a little bit. Group four, bottom left-hand quadrant. This is the one, Greg, that I wish these guys were all spread out. It's Patrick Cantlay, $10,200. Sung J.M., 8200 Seamus Power at 67 and Keith Mitchell at 7000 I think maybe in a vacuum, Patrick Cantlay wins this. I love the way Keith Mitchell sets up for an event like this. Sung J and Seamus are always going to have my heart. But boy, I, I, I wish I did not have to have four of my guys battling in the same group. This is one I'm trying not to overthink here. Uh, I like this group too because I really I, I like all these players just like you, Rick. But Patrick Cantlay, I, I think, is probably the second most reliable top seed who I think can come out of this. Uh, and Rom would be Rom would probably be my first. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is on a real. He's been putting great ever since he switched putters. That was at the Memorial last year. I mean, in that stretch, he's lost strokes on the greens in on in two tournaments, in just two tournaments. Uh, we know what he can do tee to green. He's seven and seven three and one in match play over his career. And I I, I like the three guys below him, but I think he's going to show us something this week and come out of this group. Yeah, since. 2018. So that's three starts for Cantlay. He's five, three, and one. He's not made it out of his group. That is almost impossible to do. He's in very yeah. unlucky in this format, which sometimes, sometimes that happens. See, uh, uh, so Cantlay, and and we can kind of look ahead a little bit. Whoever comes out of group four, that adjacent group 13, that's got its own set of questions. I, I think coming out of group four here, Sia, is a pretty clean path to to kind of make a run into this thing. Yeah, maybe. I have a guy I really like in in Group 13, but I, I for me, it's between Patrick Cantlay and Keith Mitchell. Um, I just unfortunately, Seamus Power's game has just been a little off, and it's been enough of a sample size that it's been off that I'm just not interested in, in this particular tournament. Sung Jay's approach game has been off as well, uh, quite a bit. So it's 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 a little strange when you look at the metrics. So for me, it's Cantlay or Mitchell. I think I'm just going to go ahead and, and take the salary savings with Mitchell. I mean, I like what I've seen. He hasn't been great on approach the last two tournaments he's played off. The tee, he's been great, and he obviously can pop on approach. The the short game around the green putter, 
it, it can get hot or cold. But again, I'm, I'm playing the variance on that, particularly with the putter. So I, I think I'm going to take the chance on Keith Mitchell and likely having somebody out of group 13 get to that next level. All right. Well, we'll stay in that same bottom left-hand quad here to get to group five. And Greg, you've already kind of led us off on this. This is seemingly the group of death. The guy who finished runner-up last year, Scotty Scheffler, who's been scorching hot, has to battle Matt Fitzpatrick, top 10 machine, Tommy Fleetwood, who's coming around and has plenty of match play experience, and Ian Poulter, who is just the match play king. And if he gets, and if Scotty gets out of that group, he's eventually going to have to run into that Patrick Cantlay situation that we were talking about a little bit. I mean, this is just, this is such a hard path to come out of group five. And group 12 has uh, the actual defending champion. The really? guy that beat Scotty last year. Yeah. I, I think I said Scotty was the defending. Forgive me. That was silly. Um, and I think that was a, a misspeak. Obviously, Horschel won last year. But um, the, this, the Scotty Scheffler group is disastrous. I love what I've seen out of Tommy Fleetwood. Matt Fitzpatrick broke my heart on my best bet last week. He has been playing great golf and he's done it with the putter he's done it off the tee i mean he has been well-rounded and really he's been an elite player in the last month or so so he's really scary polter i don't care what the statistics say you don't want to play him in match play for 18 holes you just don't want to do it so that is a it's a it's a really bad draw for scotty scheffler not that there's a good one but it's just that's a bad draw so that is the number one group that I'm Xing out. There's no way a player from this group is on my fantasy lineup. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because, Sia, what we've seen in recent years, because Greg's right, you don't have to play somebody from every group. You, you're, in fact, you're going to skip a lot of groups. Uh, we might see a situation in which every golfer in group five, which we all agree are great plays, they're all like 7% owned. Or something like that. And you don't have to have much. If you're playing a lot of lineups, you don't have to have much of any of these guys to kind of leverage yourself on the field. We kind of have to think about that side of it too, don't we? A hundred percent. In fact, my favorite guy in this tournament is probably in group five. And, and to your point and Greg's point as well, like he's going to be very low owned. It's match Fitzpatrick. I, I really oh, Patrick. Listen. Exactly. So I, I really like how he's and by the way, he he is a part of the narrative lineup that I'll give out at, uh, at the end of the show. But yes, listen, obviously, Scotty Scheffler is a great play. I'm not going to just sit here and pretend that Fitzpatrick is somehow better than Scotty Scheffler in this group. But I certainly think he's comparable. I love sort of the arrogance that he's had over the last you know, over the last, I guess, couple of tournaments, but specifically yesterday when he talked about, hey, if I was putting well, I would have won this tournament by, you know, two or three strokes. I mean, I, I think he actually believes that. And I think he has the right attitude, uh, it factor, if you will, to actually, you know, come out of this group and go really far. So he's a guy I think you can get a lot of leverage on the field on, and, and I'm going to go ahead and take it. So give me Matt Fitzpatrick here. Group five, Matt Fitzpatrick, he's only $8,700. Scotty Scheffler sporting that big price tag of 11000 with Fleetwood at eight and Ian Poulter at 6600 Group six, other side of the bracket. Oh, I know this guy. Justin Thomas is your headliner. He's $10,700 with Kevin Kisner, match play specialist, 7600 Mark Leishman at 75 and Luke List, ball striking extraordinaire, rounding out group six at $6,400. Greg, again, this one, it, it's it's so easy on a Monday afternoon, right? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, JT will win this or Kisner will grab it. But like, it, it's never that easy when this thing starts. 
No, I mean this is a this is another brutal group. Look at Mark Leishman. Okay, he's at seventy five hundred on DraftKings. Now I I'll say before I say this, I love JT. He is. I I think he's starting to come around on the putt in. I'm doing my research, my prep for course record tonight, my prep for this. I'm thinking. I'm just looking at JT saying he's going to win the Masters. But he's in a brutal group here because Mark Leishman is a great putter. Uh, He was tied 15th at the Genesis Invitational. The record hasn't really been great in the last two weeks in Florida so far. But we finally get out of Florida. And what he can do on and around the greens is just, it's scary. So that worries me. Kisner, is a he could be a buzzsaw. But I, I just, I think JT's coming out of this group. He's just playing too well right now. I, I love what he's doing tee to green. I think the putting is coming around, although slowly. He's 100th right now on the PGA Tour in strokes game putting. But the thing about JT is it, it seems in these tournaments and in these rounds, there's just a couple little decisions, a couple mistakes he's made with the strategy that have cost him. And and I think he's continuing to learn and develop that and come up with better game plans with Bones and you're going to see him win. And I think he's on the verge of rattling off a couple of wins here. And one of them may be the Masters. One of them may be here. So I like JT coming out of this group as tough as it is. Yeah, he's the favorite, of course, to exit this group plus 165. Uh, see ya. Kevin Kisner has played 23 matches at this event since 2016. 23. Would you like to take a stab at how many of those he's won? Out of 26? 23 23 oh man it's a lot so i'm gonna go with 16 16 he's 16 6 and 1 in five years at this event is he gonna play spoiler to jt or will someone else spoil the party so i i always underestimate kevin kisner and i think this is a great course for him i mean obviously his history suggests that but also his game suggests it as well i just happen to think justin thomas is playing better really than anyone in the world right now. And if, if you look at the actual metrics, it really plays out. If you look at the, the quote, you know, it factor, you know, just the match play type mentality, if you want to even go there, um, spoiler alert, narrative lineup. I really like uh, Justin Thomas there as well. He checks so many boxes. The ball striking is great. The putter can get hot. Around the green is fine. Uh, I'll make it easy on this one. It's Justin Thomas in group six. All right, we'll slide up to that upper right-hand quadrant, and we'll find group number seven, which is headlined by the X-Man, Xander Shoffley. He's $9,600 on DraftKings. Tony Finau, $7,800. And then a couple of really, really cheap guys rounding out this group. Lucas Herbert is $6,100, and Takumi Kanaya is a min $6,000. I've got takes on this group, Greg, but let's start with you. What do you see out of seven? This feels like a trap to me. Yeah. Big time. It feels like a big time trap. I mean, I, I, I look at this and Xander Shoffley is clearly, at least right now, Tony Fina is not really in great form. Right now, Xander Shoffley is the best player in this group. This is match play. We know how these things pan out. And I'm looking at a guy like uh, Takumi Kanaya, who finished tied 14th at the Saudi International. He was tied 25th uh, at the Abu Dhabi in, in Dubai. He was tied 7th at the Zozo PGA Tour event in Japan. And this guy can play. Uh, and, and it's kind of worrisome to me because we don't know a lot about him. We don't have a lot of strokes gain data on him. And, and he's 
of concern. And then you look at Lucas Herbert, who won in, in Bermuda. Uh, he came in tied seventh at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He's a little bit concerning to me as well because he's such a good putter. Uh, and, and now, again, we don't have a ton of strokes gain metrics on him. But it, since the Fortinet Championship this year, he's only lost strokes once on the greens. And uh, I, I don't I don't love I, I mean, Xander looks like the best guy. It look, feels like I'm grasping for straws. But I think if you're going to go for a really cheap guy, Kanaya or Herbert might be the play here. Yeah, this is the group to me, Sia, that leaves me scratching my head a little bit. And let me preface this. Xander Shoffley is awesome. He's amazing. But his best attribute attribute is that he has a high floor, uh, but he kind of has a low ceiling compared to that high floor. And you need ceiling in this event. There's a reason Xander is 4-4-1 four, four, and one in the last three years, which is just great. Golf. To be even a, a half a match over 500 at something as volatile as this is great. He's never made it out of his group. It's just like a weird floor ceiling situation. Tony Finau could always run hot, run cold. I would not mind taking a stab on Lucas Herbert here and just kind of fading the two big boys at the top. Yeah, I think this is a situation where you might be overthinking it here. I mean, I, I just the, the only thing against Xander at this moment in time is just that he might be fatigued from the thank you cards he's writing the committee because in group seven, I mean, every single other top seed would love to be in group seven. Tony Finau, listen, the ball striking hasn't been a disaster, but, you know, at some point, go check his last nine or 10 tournaments in terms of the putter. I mean, the short game altogether is really bad. He is on a Kyle Stanley level with the putter, and it's not like the ball striking is really saving him. So Tony's out. And, and, if, and if I have to pick between Xander and Lucas Herbert and Xander and, and Kanaya, listen, I'm going to save money other places. I, I just think this is an e too easy of a call. I don't want to overthink it. Give me Xander in group seven. Other side of the bracket, back to that upper left-hand quadrant. We've got group number eight, Dustin Johnson sporting the big $10,000 price tag with Max Homa at $7,700, Matthew Wolf at $6,200, and Mackenzie Hughes-Greg at $6,400. If there was a group of question marks, it would look just like this one. Yes. Another, I mean, they they really have done a quite a quite a nice job um, with these groupings because everyone seems like it makes you just second guess. Dustin Johnson has the highest floor in this group. Uh, that there is no doubt about that. But the guy who I think is playing the best golf right now is is simply Max Homa. I love what I'm seeing out of Max Homa. Um, you you look at his finishes this calendar year since the Tournament of Champions. And every event is a top 17, except one. He missed the cut at the Farmers Open. Tied 15th at Century. Uh, tied 14th at the in, in Phoenix. Tied 10th at the Genesis. Tied 17th at the Arnold Palmer. Tied 13th at the Players. He's gained strokes off the tee and approached the green in every single one of those events. And, and the putting has been pretty good, too. I mean, he lost strokes in the last two events. But before that, he, he gained in five events in a row. I, I love what I'm seeing from Max Homa, and I think he gets out of the group. It's Homa or Hughes for me, I believe here, Sia. Hughes got out of his group last year. Again, when you can kind of be the first one in the cup, you put a lot of pressure on your opponents, and I'm not sure. I'm super excited about the rest of Group 8. What do you see? 
Yeah, well, for, for one, I could knock out Dustin Johnson because on my DraftKings team, I, I'm just not going to be able to afford him. You, I've already talked about guys like Justin Thomas that I like, and it's just he's not going to fit into the lineup. So he's out. I love the value of Max Homa. Listen, I want to do everything I can to try to get Matthew Wolf in a lineup, or at least I want to try to justify it just because this is the type of setup where he can get crushed on one hole and it, it really just counts as one hole. He's not losing strokes on it and come back and just you know have a few good holes in a row. But there is just literally no evidence to suggest that he's all of a sudden going to be able to have these three matches in group eight and, and come out of there. So, I mean, I'm looking at his metrics. I'm looking for some kernel that's going to show me like, okay, this is the path to success for Matt, Matthew Wolf. It's just not there. So I, I'm not on Mackenzie Hughes. Give me Max Homa here. The winner of group eight will face the winner of group nine. They are adjacent groups. And this is headlines by Bryson DeChambeau. He's $9,300. Taylor Gooch is $7,700. Lee Westwood is $63. And Richard Bland is a min $6,000. See, I'll bounce this one right back to you. I find an event that you would have to play seven matches to win a curious place for a guy's first start since his wrist injury. But I guess there's a lot of reps out there for Bryson. If he can play well, too many reps. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm a physical therapist or anything, but if you had me pick the one tournament, I wouldn't want to play coming off an injury. It would like literally all year. It would be this one where if you want to win, you have to play seven matches. It's just, it, it just seems so taxing. Like, I kind of don't get it. I, I feel like maybe the Valero would be a better uh, tune-up for him for the Masters, but he knows his body better than anybody. He thinks he can withstand it. I'm just, I'm not going to go there because I, I just think uh, it's it's just going to be too much. So for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Lee Westwood. Taylor Gooch is probably the smart play here. If I have to save the money, I think Westwood would be the guy, but I, I love what Gooch has been doing lately. And, and I think he comes out of this group. Odds makers have this quite close to win the group. Plus 220 for Bryson DeChambeau, just plus 225 for Taylor Gooch. That's probably the direction I'll go, Greg. What say you? Uh, my initial instinct here is Taylor Gooch, no question. I'm not crazy about Lee Westwood. Um, I'm a definite no on Bryson. Um, and, and Richard Bland, I just have a, this strange feeling that – there's going to be like a magical story with him. Um, and I think he's in a great group for it. If you need a min price guy, I think Richard Bland is the play. He's been playing some pretty good golf on, uh, on the DP world tour. He was second at the Dubai desert classic. He, yeah, who, he can who'd pop he, up. Who'd he lose to in that event? Do you know? The Dubai desert classic. Was it uh Victor Hovland? Victor got him in a playoff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nabbed him. Um, but but really, the the smart play, you're right, it's Taylor Gooch at 7,700. Uh, you, you saw the miscut. He broke everybody's heart at the Genesis Invitational. I, everybody was very high on him, and he didn't play well. But he bounced right back at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And then, I believe, got the bad end of the draw at uh, at the players. But he's still, the last two events, putted really nicely. Three out of the last four, he's gained on the greens. And, and, and with a golf swing like that, he's destined to hit the ball well. So I think this is a... Taylor Gooch is the play. I just see, you think he's, is his ownership going to be too high? I mean, it's going to be, I don't know about too high. Yeah. He's definitely, to me, he's going to be the most owned in this group. If that's what you're asking. I, I don't, yeah. I think there's going to be enough people. Some people will play Bryson, but not enough for his ownership to be super high. And, and, and to your point, you know, Lee Westwood, you know, he's been competitive here and there, but he doesn't really measure out super well. I think it, most people are going to go to Gooch here. We're going to roll on. 
10 through 16, we still got to chat through, and there are some very interesting names in those groups. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Group number 10, opposite side of the bracket. Louis Ustazen is your headliner, $9,000. And despite being the highest seed in the group, he's cheaper than Paul Casey, who is $9,100. Corey Connors rounds out along with Alex Noren at $7,300 and $7,800. Uh, Greg, this is, uh, this is the group I've got a guy that I really, really like, but I hate the group that he's in. Uh, I agree. I totally agree. And I would bet that it's the same guy. Who is um, it? Alex Noren. It's Alex Norin. Come on, Greg. How do you get the worst draw in the whole thing? It's a terrible draw. Louis Ustazen's a buzzsaw. Paul Casey, you better play well if you're going to beat Paul Casey. Give me Paul, give me Paul Casey there. There you go. <laughs> and the same is true with Corey Connors. So like, like I, those two guys in the middle are not going to beat themselves. So they make for tough matches. But Alex Norin is just... I love. I I want to just say Alex Noren, no matter what. I want to take him anyway. The putting has been great. Uh, he, every event except for two, he's gained in since the Farmers Insurance Open. The finishes have been phenomenal. He's got two top tens and a tied twelfth since Phoenix. He's playing great. What he's done approaching the green has been phenomenal. And last week he lost strokes approaching the green. He still finished tied twelfth. His game is really strong right now, and I think the course fit is actually really really strong as well louis who stays in alex nor and paul casey since 2016 at this event are a combined 33 19 and 2 unfortunately uh they're all playing against each other and and i i agree with greg everything you get from alex nor in the 12 and 3 record in three trips the way he's playing the improvements the, I, ju I just love it unfortunately see a group 10 is uh very very difficult uh now how will you go about reconciling what you see out of group 10 well first of all this is all the more reason i like xander coming out of group seven because I can't pick somebody out of group 10 to go to the elite eight because it's just so stacked that any one of those four guys can come out. I mean, if I had to rank group 10, it would probably be Paul Casey, Alex Norn, Louie, and then Corey Connors. And I only say that about Louie because the last couple of tournaments, he's really flamed out late. And this is not the type of tournament where if I'm, if I'm getting somebody from a DFS standpoint, one of six guys, I don't want him flaming out in, you know, match five, six or seven. So I'm, I'm trying to get these guys to go as far as possible. So I like Paul Casey the best here, but again, I just want to emphasize the path for Xander granted, he will have to play a hard guy in group 10, but I don't know how you justify taking a guy from group 10 to the elite eight, knowing that the guy you pick probably has somewhere between a, like a 25 and, you know, at best 35% chance to emerge from that group. Whereas with Xander, I think you could put those odds maybe closer to, to 40% or at least, at least higher than 35%, higher than 30%. Yeah. Group 10 is a buzz kill group yeah. 11, the bottom right hand quadrant there, Greg. Now this is, the group that will end up facing group six, Justin Thomas's group. So group 11 is Jordan Spieth, $8,900. Adam Scott, $8,100. Justin Rose, $6,900. Keegan Bradley, also there at $6,900. Greg, plenty of names we're familiar with. How do we start to parse through them? Well, I mean, it, this is a, it's just such a strange group. It's so strange. I mean, I, Jordan Spieth, you would think would be phenomenal in match play. And he did great last year. He should have beat Matt Kuchar uh, on, on Saturday morning and didn't. 
he he played really nicely, but he was on a hot streak. He's not on a hot streak right now. I mean, he played okay at the Genesis, played great at Pebble, a course that he loves, missed a cut at the players, tied 60th in Phoenix. I, I have my questions about Jordan, and he hasn't been putting great. Um, you go down to Adam Scott, who has been putting a little bit better. He's actually been playing pretty well. Adam Scott's probably the play here. Keegan Bradley and Justin Rose are cheap. I don't like Justin Rose, but again, in match play, he can be he can be a tough out, but he's he's not in great form. So I don't like Justin Rose. Keegan Bradley coming off of a really nice finish at the players is a great ball striker. We know what happens with the putty. I think I think this is just Adam Scott, but I just don't feel great about anybody here. Yeah, I lean Adam Scott. If I was feeling super frisky, Sia, I'd roll with Keegan Bradley. I don't know how much exposure to group 11 I'll have in total because you're going to get to the winner of group six, which we know is JT Kisner, Leishman, List. That's not like an easy path moving on. If you get through that, it's the bottom. I mean, it's just group 11 is a tough one to come out of. It is. And, and again, it, it goes back to what I said uh, about Xander. Like Justin Thomas, I think, has a, a – I don't want to say an easy path. Nobody has an easy path, obviously. But if he gets to round two, I'm okay with his chances against any of these four guys. I mean, I think that's why we're so wishy-washy here. It's not like the Louis group where we're like, man, everybody's really good. Here, we can find flaws pretty much everywhere. I think, I think Greg's right. Adam Scott's probably going to be the guy for me. I think Keegan is interesting. I mean, he is coming off a miscut, but – that wasn't because of his putter. He actually gained with the putter. He was even around the green. He actually lost on approach for the first time. I mean, he's technically lost on approach two times out of the last eight or nine tournaments. So I think that was just a, a blip on the radar. But when it comes down to it, do I want to be leaning on Adam Scott's putter or Keegan Bradley's putter when it really counts in match play? Now, granted, Scott's putter hasn't been great as of late, but I'm going to go with Adam Scott there. Plus 230 to get out of group 11 for Adam Scott. The other side of the bracket is the home of group 12, and it's the home of our defending champion, Billy Horschel, $8,800, and then three guys under 7K. Thomas Peters and Tom Hoagie are both 6,800, while Min Wu Lee is 6,100 bucks. See, I'll kick it right back to you here. Hoagie is going to be the most popular golfer on the slate, right? Yeah, probably because he's 6,800. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be the most popular, but yeah, he is definitely going to be pop. The, the question about that though, that question is, I, you know, I don't know how many people are selecting him because most likely they're having somebody, their lineups are having somebody from group five emerging to the elite eight, obviously like Scotty Scheffler, most likely maybe uh match Fitzpatrick, who knows. But so I, I wonder how that's going to play into the DFS lineups, but in terms of group 12, Tom Hoagie at 6,800 makes a ton of sense. I think people might want to try to get a little contrarian with Thomas Peters, who we know has plenty of talent, and probably the match play setup is probably good for him. Same with Billy Horschel. I don't know if people are going to have the salary to play up for Billy Horschel, but I do like him in the match play format. So I, I like all three of those guys, but I agree with you. Tom Hoagie is going to be popular. I'm living the Minwoo with Tom Hoagie life, Greg. I just think that the, the, the concern that Sia raises about Whoever gets out of this group having to to beat the winner of group five, Scotty Shuffler, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Ian Poulter. Uh, I am I am concerned about that. But if you can even get any, you know, the three guys who are under seven thousand dollars, if you get them through the group into the elimination stage, you've done a good job. So do we know why Billy Horschel withdrew from the players? Was that just a scheduling thing? Uh I don't I, know. I, 
Because I, I I don't know. He WD'd from the players. And I guess I got to do a little digging on this um, to see if it's an injury or if he was going to miss the cut. And it, I know that that schedule was strange. If he was going to miss the cut, I had to come back for a day for a whole, you know, it didn't make sense. I, I get that. Um, but aside from that, he's been playing great. So it's hard to look away from Billy Horschel here. But Tom Hoagie is the most the most poorly priced player in this field. I mean, this is the, the, the disrespect. What does the guy have to do? He is a, uh, he has an elite skill set, and I love that. And when you get into, um, oh, Jacob says Billy Horschel was feeling a little sick. Okay. Well, well, that's right. He had a stomach bug. Okay. So he's probably healthy and healed from that. But that mm-hmm. kind of thing can, it can derail good, good form. It keeps you away from your practice routine for a little bit. You lose a little weight. You're out of it. It changes your whole routine. So that, I mean, that's a a great reason to fade Billy Horschel and go to Tom Hoagie. I I love Tom Hoagie. I think Tom Hoagie could get, I think he could not only get out of the group. I think he could get to the elite eight. He, he has that kind of ability and he's just very underpriced. So I, I love it. I'm not going anywhere else in this group. I'm going Tom Hoagie. Group 13 right below is Terrell Hatton's group, although he is $9,200 and cheaper than Daniel Berger, who is also in that group. $7,100 for Siwoo Kim and $7,200 for Chris John Bezayden. Sia, um, I believe you teased earlier that you really like someone out of Group 13, and I would like to know who it is. Yeah, it's the man. It's um, it's the man I'm going to be vibing with this tournament. It's it's Daniel Berger out of Group yeah. 13, and I think he is going to beat whoever comes out of, you know, hopefully it's for Berger's sake. Hopefully it's not Pat- Patrick Cantley who comes out of Group Four, but I think if it's Sung J M, Seamus Power, Keith Mitchell that come out of Group Four, I think Daniel Berger is going to have a, not an easy time with him, but I think he's going to be advancing. So it, you know, no Siwoo Kim for me. I I. I Always think Christian Bezedenhut, for whatever reason, is I don't want to say he's overrated. I don't want to be disrespectful. But from, from a DraftKings standpoint, everybody's just sort of in love with Bezedenhut. And he is probably a good course fit here. Um, I, he was a full fade for me last week. I know he was a little popular, but I still think Berger is the class of this field. Uh, you know, everything is other than the players, which, you know, wasn't great for him. The ball striking has been so good, and he can get really hot with the putter. The short game, which will come into play here a little bit, is also very good. Um, I, I, I'm i in love with this one. So Sia is straight vibing with Daniel Berger's 3-9 and nine record at the match play. Greg, what do you see out of Group 13? I love Daniel Berger. There's no – I mean, you. there's no way to uh, to make a counterpoint to what Sia do, said. Do you care that he's been horrible at this event? Yes, <laughs> um, I do. And I think there's some value to be gained with Hatton, Hatton being the higher seed for a reason, uh, um, and, and being cheaper in the price and also having a, some really good recent form. I mean, he hasn't finished outside the top 28 since the turn of the year, even before that, since November. Since the DP world, he's been playing great golf. Um, he's gained strokes putting in his last seven events. He's gained strokes approaching the green in his last three. Uh, I, I think, I kind of think Hatton's the play here. T Hatton, 9,200 bucks. He's plus 225 to exit group 13. Let's jive on over to group 14, bottom right-hand quadrant. This group will eventually battle group three. Remember, that was Victor Zalatoris, Cam Tringali, Sepp Straka. So group 14, 
Joaquin Neiman, 8,600 bucks. Kevin Na, who actually educated Dustin Johnson at this event. Thank you, Kevin Na, last year. He's 6,600. Russell Henley, 7,900. And Mav McNeely, the last man in, 6,200 bucks. Got in after Sam Burns withdrew after winning the Valspar Championship. See ya. Uh, I could see a lot of these guys uh, being used quite heavily for DFS purposes. Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons to choose. First of all, Russell Henley is going to rate out really well, particularly on this course. So he certainly makes sense. I think I'm going to avoid him. I think he'll be, he'll be a little popular. And um, I'm I'm just, I like Neiman. Listen, they're all good. Kevin Na's a good choice too. Neiman and Mav McNeely are really interesting to me. I'll, I'll tell you the reason about Mav McNeely. I, I do like him. The, the, the approach play has been a little spotty lately. Um, with that said, I just love the price. You know, you know, I like guys like Xander and, and JT and Daniel Berger. Well, I can't play all those guys in, in my six spots if I'm not taking some low price guys. So Mad McNeely is a guy that fits in well with that. Uh, and Joaquin Neiman, I just love his upside. But for me, it's probably just from a value standpoint, it's probably McNeely than Neiman. Okay, Greg, how do you assess group 14? Oh, I love, I, I love where Henley is. Yeah. I know CEO wants to stay away because of the popularity and I totally get that. Um, but this guy is so impressive approaching the green and he's been putting great too. You see back-to-back tied 13th finishes back-to-back tied 33rd finishes before that a tied 14th before that a second before. I mean, he has just been, he's been phenomenal and, and I have a hard time you know, a guy who's gaining consistently in every area aside from off the tee is extremely valuable in match play. A golf course without a, a ton of rough, um, you, you don't necessarily have to rely on the driver out here and you have to take on shots with your irons. And there, there are a few guys that I trust more. I mean, he gained 11 strokes approaching the green at the players. 11. 11, yeah. I, I mean, that's a, another Pete Dye golf course. So I, I got to lean Henley here. Two groups to go. Group 15, upper right-hand quadrant, will eventually run into the Colin Morikawa group two. That group 15 is Abraham Answer, 7,900. Webb Simpson, 74. Brian Harmon, 76. Bubba Watson, 72. Greg, right back at you. Four guys in the $7,000 range in the same group. Lots of kind of history and experience between all of these guys. Group 15, also very difficult. Um, I, I think while there are challenges, I'm glad that this player is here. Um, and I, I don't have to go into group two. I'm, I'm happy about that. I think Brian Harmon's the play here. And if we were going through this in the traditional fashion where we went through, you know, each, each, um, price range, the seven thousands are just, uh, like a gold mine. At, at least it looks that way on paper. Brian Harmon is playing some really nice golf. He was tied fifth last week at the, uh, at, at the Valspar. He's gained strokes approaching the green in three of his last four. Um, and, and nearly if you discount the, um, Pebble beach pro Amber, he lost 0.06. You're talking about five of the last six, which is, which is really good. And, and he can get hot with the putter. He, he had a little bit of a tough stretch with the putter, but he gained seven strokes last week. So I think you're going to see a really nice week out of Brian Harmon, who's a top match play competitor. Yeah, Harmon, uh, wasn't it Harmon that buzzsawed Bubba Watson for like six or seven straight holes? He made, what, eight birdies in a row? Yeah, he made eight birdies like in a row. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable stuff. Maybe Bubba will get a little bit of revenge this time around. See a group 15, you know, 
this one to me is, I think, the least likely headliner that comes out of the group. As much as I like Abe Answer, he's been he's been fine, but you get maybe a healthy and back Webb Simpson and a couple of left-handed match play specialists, and boy, it starts to look difficult for Answer. Yeah, I totally agree. I'll keep this one short. I mean, I haven't really been as impressed as others with Abraham Answer, and the, the metrics really haven't been uh, that good. I mean, you could play the home state narrative. I don't know how close he actually lives uh, to Austin or whether he lives in Austin, frankly. But I like Brian Harmon as well. Um, Webb showed me a little bit last week, but not enough. And uh, if it's if I'm pitting Harmon versus Watson, I'll, I'll go ahead and take Harmon there. All right, see so you start us off on the final group of the day. It's group 16, the group that will eventually run into John Rahm's group. This is Brooks Kepka, Shane Lowry, Harold Varner III, and Eric Van Royen. How would you like to spend your hard-earned dollars in group 16? It's probably going to be Shane Lowry. He was my one-and-done pick last week, as everybody knows, and he's just been striking it so well. There's really nothing he's been doing wrong. He just wasn't... He didn't excel every single round last week, but the ball striking has been immaculate as of late. And, and there's pretty a pretty big sample size at this point, uh, this year at least. And uh, the the short game is is okay. The putter is great. Uh, there's just there's very few flaws in Shane Lowry. I think Brooks Kepka is interesting. Yeah. I, you know, if, if we're talking about just like doing a bracket and having somebody advance, I think it's kind of a tie between Brooks and Shane Lowry. But in terms of DFS, I prefer Shane Lowry. If I have to throw a dart and take somebody that I know can pop on approach in particular, it's probably Eric Van Royen, but the putter has been really bad for him. Yeah, I, I like Kepka here. So you're you're right, see, he is $1,000 more expensive than Shane Lowry, which is, you know, well, you got to swallow that. But, uh, I, you know, the high upside, the 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 huge range of outcomes, and Kepka's played this event three times in kind of the new format and the new and Austin Country Club. He's gotten out of his group twice. So, uh, Greg, I am actually a bit partial to Brooks Kepka here. It's a tough one. Um, it's a really tough one. Cause I, I think Kepka is a guy who could go, you know, run through the bracket and win the whole thing. If he's on good form, the question is what we've seen. We've seen real inconsistency with him week over week. I loved what I saw last week, that performance, especially Sunday's performance with the irons and, and, and the driver as well. It gives me the feeling that he's got his, um, he, he's got his swing back. He's got his shot shape back, which is confidence, but he's had a few of those. He's had a few of those moments. Is, is that, is he going to fade off of that again, lose it again? Or is this was last week, something that he's finally ready to hang on to. Um, Shane Lowry has already proven that. And, and he is in every event this year finished inside the top 25, whether it's on this tour or the DP world tour, or even in Saudi Arabia, he has been phenomenal. Um, and it's hard to look past that. So the steady play is Shane Lowry. The the higher upside play, the risky play is Kepka. And I, I'm right there with you guys. Those are the two plays in this group. 16 groups down. I think we're done with the bracket. It only leaves us with one final thing to do. And see, Najad, that's right in your wheelhouse, my friend. You've been smashing first round leaders you've been creating narrative lineups that make us the cash what do you have for us this week so i was thinking you know it's match play and as much as we love to do modeling and look at metrics and i've referenced metrics this in, entire show this is one of those tournaments where you know you, you you 
I don't want to say you can throw metrics out the window, Rick. I know that's sacrilege. I would, but uh, like to throw you off the show if I had to. (laughs) Yes, I'm fully aware of that. I almost went earmuffs for you before I said that. But but the reality is, I think you can kind of look at like, you know, some of those intangibles. If you were ever going to do it, you can do it here. And I mentioned a couple times this show the quote "it factor." So how do I evaluate it factor? Well, of course, obviously, you have to have an I and a T in your name. So here are the guys oh, that are all, of course, obviously, right? I did so not. Here are the guys, they're all in separate groups. Okay. Wow. So you can, you can play them and there's a, it's a pretty long list and there's some overlap. So I won't necessarily say the overlaps guys. Now, because they're in different groups, it doesn't make them optimal, right? Because we talked about in the beginning of the show, you still have to have it filtered down to six, you know, being able to get to, to the grade eight there. But so I'm just going to give you, just going to run off a list here. Okay. We're going to start with, of all people, Patrick Reed. Now, Sebastian Munoz is in that, in that group. So you could go either way there. Dustin Johnson, match Fitzpatrick. He's in there with Scotty Scheffler, who also <laughs> qualifies for the it factor, but um, I'm riding with Matt Fitzpatrick this tournament. Thomas Peters, Christian Bezedenhut, uh, spoiler alert. He has all the letters of the alphabet in his name. Uh, <laughs> Keith Mitchell, otherwise known as Keith Matchell, uh, Will Zalatoris, who happens to be with another it guy, Cameron Tringale, uh, Justin Rose, who also was with Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, of course, Tony Finau, Louis Ustazen, and Robert McIntyre. That is your it factor group. I got to admit, this is one of your weaker ones. This is, this is, this, so it's not even IT together, right? Just an I and a T. Well, like, believe me, right. IT next to each other. Yes, well, that's true, but I, my search didn't get six, even six players with the IT I next I, to each I other. I just loved myself. <laughs> so I had to expand the search a little bit. But for the record, I do think the it factor is is apropos for this particular tournament. And, and who am I? Because you've been lining our pockets, Sia. Who am I to disparage any narrative you would like to put together, my friends? Thank you for all the uh, great tips and uh, winners re- recently. Oh, uh, it's just another Thursday, uh, as uh, <laughs> as I say it. But listen, I, I do real quick. Matt Fitzpatrick. You know, you might be thinking, well, where's the H in Matt Fitzpatrick? His his birth name, this is September 1st, 1994, of course, because we all know the birth dates of all the uh, PGA Tour golfers, was Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's only recently gone by Matt. So that does that does fit the not just the it factor, but his name, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, you can spell match with it, as in match play, as in match Fitzpatrick, as in game set, match Fitzpatrick. <laughs> See, you're How can he not win? How can he not win? How are you? You got anything to follow that up with, Greg? I don't know how you're going to do it. No, it's a beautiful thing. I just, I'm happy to have a front row seat to it. I'm only missing popcorn. Uh, I'm enjoying the show. All right, gentlemen. Well done. Well done. Well done. Our Tuesday mega preview pod is going to come out uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. It'll be live, which means you have to have your one and done votes in, people. There are two very important links in the description. One will get you to the fan one and done. The other will get you to the Rick Run Good Bracket Challenge, which has got prizes from Jacob and myself. And the password is tiger. That's the password. Link in the description. Go get yourself involved and be a part of the fun. But for now, I yes, Jacob. I got to pop on real quick because speaking of Tiger, Phil Mickelson is now listed as a past champion uh, invited, but not playing on the Masters website. And a name missing from that list is one Eldrick Taunt Woods. 
so yes, breaking news. We need a breaking news drop, by the way. So while we were live there, gentlemen, uh, it has been confirmed that Phil is not going to be playing the Masters. Uh, Augusta National confirmed that, and he is now listed on the website as past champions not playing. Greg Ducharme, uh, initial reaction. Um, I am not surprised at all. Um, but it, I was really waiting to see what would happen. And what I'm still wondering is, is that his choice? I guess if it's invited but not participating, that, that means it's his choice. Uh, or is there some other kind of suspension or, or something like that going on? I just, I think this story has so much more to um, be, be uh, told. And the other, the next factors, he's the defending champion of the PGA. Is, is he going to, is, is he going to play there? Um, we have Alan Shipnook's book coming out that week in May. Um, that is only going to make the this uh, a more hot. It's going to up the heat. So I'm very curious to see what Phil does, but I'm not surprised. Neither am I. And then see, of course, uh, Twitter always runs with the speculation of, well, I don't see Tiger's name under not playing. Now he still has time, obviously still eligible. He does not have to commit to playing at this point, but we had just gotten the news that uh, Phil has, I guess, decommitted from the Masters. Yeah, I am a little surprised. I thought he was going to play the Masters, but I, and I wonder what the backstory is there. I mean, I is no point in speculating uh, at, at this moment, but yeah, I mean, I, I wish, I hope Tiger plays. I, I kind of, I don't think he will. I don't. It just didn't sound like he was ready based off the interviews we heard a few weeks ago at whichever tournament that was, the Genesis, I believe. Uh, it didn't sound like he was anywhere close to ready, right? Well, you know what he's got, Sia. He's got the it factor. So who knows? <laughs> he does. You're right. Two weeks away. He's got that it factor. All right, gentlemen. I'm sure we'll be talking much more about that on the Mega Preview Pop. I'm going to let you get out of here now. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at the real GFD. Sia Najad at Sia Najad. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.